0: Let me ask you this on another issue here, if you don't mind me asking. Thanks for the messages about Amazon. What's going to stop them? Do they need more regulations? Is Congress going to get involved or what?
1: Nothing, nothing will stop them. I mean, that's too late. Yeah? You, you, you can choose to not buy from them, but it's just going to get harder and harder to not buy from them. So, you know, just accept that that's a compromised data source and- um, you know, try to limit there are some laws, but you know, it doesn't apply to people that you have a customer relationship with. If you have a, if you buy from them all the laws sort of go out the window. Now. There's not really a strong so I guess there could be some laws that would be a great start. Um but, they're gonna
2: fight like out because they're gonna see a limit consumer choice because the reason the Amazon can
1: give away all these fire sticks and fire tablets and fire you know, speakers and you can get like a hundred dollars for uh, a HD video camera that goes in front door it and um, it's constantly screaming to the cloud you know how do they do that well it's, high, it's highly um,
2: supplement
0: uh...
1: so, they're selling it at a loss at one time and, and monetize it.
0: And what it's kind of, of way to it. what like, kind so of a, data farm infrastructure does Amazon have right now?
1: Well, I know they use AWS. I mean, they must they dog they food own infrastructure. I know that. It's really it sensitive like we're written about. But, uh, you know, when, when you hear about things like the, the day that affects them too. But just for a short
2: period of time, why do you ask them? You
0: know I'm just curious about with the harvesting of data and everything's on the cloud don't they have data farms I mean don't they have like these industrial spaces of computers and servers and places where the data's stored because where's the cloud where's you know that's what that's my question
1: yeah it's in a warehouse somewhere you can think of across regions. you're willing to pay to have it and like that, uh, which most people are not, including Amazon themselves. So so that's why I'm buying it now. Um, and now they're announcing so that they're going to be working on their own stuff. But they, you know, if you need high availability, you can do that for It's expensive. It just depends how much of t- time you're really going to afford. Um, you can spend a lot of money on
0: this. So, uh, so, when somebody says it's on the cloud, it's not just somebody else's computer? Well, yeah, it's sort of it works, you
1: know, but not generally. Like, an Amazon infrastructure, I would say, you know, that's running on the Amazon. They have their own hardware resources distributed throughout the world. That makes up their backbone, their infrastructure, and that their infrastructure is staying on top of. Like a massive server farm, distributed server farm, and data centers all around the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands and uh, millions of machines that are running just the Amazon or the Google operating system. And Facebook has their own, you know, and and many of those machines are running right side by side, sharing an internet connection. Um, And then some. buying up the dark fiber so they can do things that are technically off the public internet yeah. that no one has access to except only them so that's like an uncharted territory that's something nobody can tell you about
0: because so, be, so just for and we're just talking about alexa and that service and prime they've got thousands of machines running in data farms to operate that
1: to, to operate like Amazon, the storefront you're talking about?
0: Well, yeah, to operate, you know, Alexa and people streaming oh, music. Alexa. And, yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. There's
1: huge. It, it, that's just, it, it's like a headless, they call it headless configuration. And
2: you have a, a client that is a the thin client that's a display, and then you have the server. And that's,
1: it, it's just giving you a view into the server. And that's why you can use the app and you can use the mobile web and you can use it on different computers. And you're still going to see your same history. Um, and they're just telling your client computer, here's how what you, we want you to show that
0: headless, headless, headless computing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no like monitor attached to it.
1: It's just banks after banks, after banks of computers that you re- remote into and that they're just giving their resources to do certain specific little tasks that then all get assembled to this web page that you see. So there could be really dozens of computers assembling that when you load Amazon.com. That could be hitting a bunch of different machines. Not just between here and there, but once you get there, it's all these different little processes that are running to compose that page and bring all the pieces of data together and then give it to you. Because it's different for every single
2: person.
0: Yeah. So one server might be coming from Anchorage, Alaska, another from Virginia, you know, another from um, Helsinki, you know, really, right?
1: Well, you know they're going to try to get it as close to your edge as possible, to, because that's going to be the fastest. So, you know they're going to put different types of configurations in different zone, different geographic zones, so that you know it's just obvious. Someone from coming from someone coming from Spain is going to want an Espanol, and more than that, they're going to want what they can be shipped to them easily. Yeah. Um, you know they're, they're gonna want everything their way and that's that's a different place and that's a different way than we get it here so at some point you're gonna have the configuration files and you're gonna have different it's gonna turn different features on and off and they can do this you know there's like a master list somewhere of all the features that are potentially available and a bunch of on-off switches And they just roll those out and experiment with it and see, okay, here's how we can make 1% more, here's how we can make 5% more, here's how we can reduce the amount of time it takes them to make a decision, here's how we can increase the amount of time
2: they live on site, Um, here's how we can make them buy more than they, you you know, once they have one thing in their cart,
1: add additional things to their cart before checking it.
2: And so those those really boil down to different feature flags, which are a
1: little on/off this, you know, in a config file that will apply to you, or will apply to your geographic region, or your, you know, your demographic segment, and serve you that page, which is different from everyone else's. Mm. Interesting. The, 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 on what they showed is that they consider there's really no line in what they can do to monetize you. They don't view your account data as private data. They, I mean, they, they don't view it as public data, but they, they view it as their data, and a, a share between you and the Amazon, that so you can do whatever you want with it, and they can do whatever they want with it. And they're not making any type of guarantees. Hey, we're going to keep your data private. That's not in the fine print. The fine print says we can do whatever we want with your data. And we're, you know, at a best case scenario, you'll get instructions how to limit that, but you can't eliminate it. And by law, the fact that also you have a customer relationship with them, you're hooked in there. So, so they really have more rights than just any random, you you know, somebody bought the information. Um, that's why even if, even why, you know, Apple a little alert that says, would you like to limit information tracking across websites? You know, would you, would you like to request this app does not share your information across websites? And you can say yes or no. Well, that doesn't apply if your Facebook and your Instagram and your WhatsApp. You can share amongst yourself because you're all owned by Facebook slash Meta, so you're a customer of all three of them, so they're allowed to share that back and forth, and Apple's not even attempting to limit that. It's only if you're Facebook and just an unrelated site or unrelated app that they're saying, okay, now you cannot track that. You should not track that way. They don't say you cannot. They say we expect you not to, or we can take you down. You affirm that you do not do this. Um, but but yeah, as far as like WhatsApp sharing with Instagram,
0: there, there's no way to turn that off. Oh nice. Uh. So, um, is it is it safe to say? And I don't want to, you know, uh, use hyperbole here, but is it safe to say that Amazon's like a, a 12-headed dragon? Or not yet?
1: <sighs> I mean, in what way? And that you can't kill it? I mean, yeah, it's safe to say that. Like, Amazon's here to stay. Like, if you got Amazon stuck, don't ever sell that. Just keep that in the bank until you're ready to retire and you really want to cash out. Yeah. Um, but don't ever sell, a- Amazon stock, is, they're just, that's a never-ending company. Like, nothing can take down Amazon now. I, like, I, 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 I would venture to say Amazon has, like, as much practical control as the U.S. government. Wow. Or more, Yeah, you know, possibly more. I mean, it's close, it's close, like if you look at what is the max that someone can do to somebody, the government will win out over Amazon, but if you look at what it, what does the government do to you versus what does Amazon do on a daily basis to manipulate your purchase decisions, to, to, that is Amazon, Amazon by far, so look at every other company Amazon owns. And it's a long, long, long list of companies that they either buy or put out of business, and those companies have data. Data too, mm. and so that is all Amazon's now, and they can use this. The, the The amazing things are happening, the transformative things are happening when you combine these different data sources. So, like one data set alone is going to give you something, but not not an epiphany type of, you know. It's when you start combining with different data sets, you know, this is the same email address. We got this database, this database, this database. Okay, now, you know, we got 15 different databases about the same guy. All of a sudden you can say, who, what, when, where, why, a hundred times a day. You know everything about that person in real time, real time and offline because they purchase something to use offline so what they're purchasing tells you what they're doing when they are offline and what, when they are offline so you can profile them up to yinye and you can resell that data and it's very valuable to marketers um, so that's that ship has sailed for any company that Amazon bought so if you look at the main big companies Amazon Facebook Google Apple Apple's like the one company in this regard that doesn't have a bunch of data about you. They don't want the data. They're like, your data is yours, you keep it. We don't even want it. And Apple's constantly building walls around your data, so even they can't access it. Because they don't want to get in that game where they're giving up the data to law enforcement and all these things. Amazon's directly tied in with law enforcement. AT&T, Verizon are both directly tied in with law enforcement. So it's not like you go get a court order and you submit a request and you get every real time, just log in and take what you need. It's all there, right there, just, here's the login, you guys can have whatever you need, just go in there anytime and grab it for yourself. They're not waiting around for like a quarter or the the department. They, they've just literally split the traffic, made a, a, a full copy of all the data and just sent it over as a batch job. You know, on the crime jobs and things all the data, exact copy of all data to the government. Wow. So they don't even have to ask for certain companies. You know, like ATT and Verizon, we know that. You know, that was the Edward Snowden stuff that came out. Um, and they were talking about that one before that became declassified from the 90s, the, the Raptor program, um, where it showed that. You know, they were building computers that would just go onto the local network, sniff all traffic, copy all traffic, and send it to the FBI, download everything from every computer on the network, and then mirror it to the FBI. I mean, that that was like in 1996. It got declassified. So it was happening long before that even. Um, now, Now they have internet level access, and in the world, like, at that time in the mid 90s you could really kind of be dark online like not a lot of i mean there was still a digital uh, trail following you but it was like a few transactions a day they weren't all interconnected you yeah, know now it's like they really got you all time <laughs>
0: that's the technical definition is that it's just the cloud means that it's not saved on your computer, on your hard drive it's up there in the ether, you know Except, yeah it's this kind of
3: quasi-spiritual entity that, that kind of yeah your your computer becomes a medium for, for the cloud you know gnosis or whatever and it's like oh well, no it's probably in a, a giant warehouse server
0: farm in, like, Arizona. Yeah, and that's why the other day I was trying to listen to music, and and it couldn't find it. You know, I was asking Alexa, play classical music. And then the light would go on, and then she would say, I cannot find classical music. (laughs) And I asked for Mozart, Beethoven, couldn't find it. And I thought my device was broken. Here, Amazon servers went down around the world. Right. Yeah. yeah no, there's so, was, there's was wind, there wind pushing those clouds around that day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The clouds dissipated.
3: Well, and that's another interesting thing too. Not to get like too far off track, but I, I do find it an interesting. Subject is like how um, <clears throat> you know people see Amazon as like just a uh, just a kind of like oh that's where you buy your books and household goods and stuff, and it's like that's actually a very small part of their business and in increasingly it's something that they they actually lose money on is like selling physical products and that the majority of their money is in um, cloud services and like logistics and offerings offering that kind of stuff and so you know now you know people are like oh it's when Amazon servers go down it's not just oh I can't you know shop for a toy for my cat or whatever it's like I can't get my email, or you know, I can't do like all mm-hmm. these other things that were plugged into.
0: Yeah, so their delivery services went down. Uh, right. The, the Ring security services, Ring, that went down. Um, a bunch of other stuff. Disney Plus went down, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You can look at it. They got lists of it. Uh, it's it's wild. If
3: you're, are you familiar with michael hart and antonio negri no they were um a couple of uh, italian um intellectuals or I, th- I think they're actually both still alive and kind of writing um <clears throat> they wrote a really influential collaborative book um and also they're just kind of interesting characters they're almost kind of like a in some ways the the kind of successor, they occupy a similar space to like Deleuze and Guattari um, of being like the pair of people who are both intellectuals but then also very involved with like, you know, actual on the ground radical politics and (laughs) their their kind of magnum opus um, is called Empire. And it was written, um, just interestingly, I found this interesting, uh, by kind of correspondence because I think it was um, Antonio Negri was in jail for a period of time for like being involved in some kind of Italian anarchist activity that they locked him up. Um, But the the kind of thesis of of that book is all about, um, and this came out like, I think early 2000s and was like somewhat prescient because we're now really seeing this stuff, especially with, I think, Amazon and and Google are are probably the prime examples, but they kind of write about like, oh, there's been a lot of ink spilled on, you know, kind of the withering of the state and, um, you know, democracies and and state entities, countries, you know, people are like, oh, they're not powerful, they're not really, like, doing what they once did, they don't kind of exist in that capacity anymore, and they're like, yeah, that's, like, somewhat true, Um, but they're they kind of shift the focus to say like that that arena of power, those agents of power still exist. They're just largely now the state has been kind of superseded by these transnational uh, corporations. And so it's like we're not we're not, you know, liberated from the state per se. We've just kind of now gone on to like the real decision makers and movers and shakers and, and powers that be are you know, Jeff Bezos, um, folks like that, rather than an elected official.
4: Mm. That's a nice, nice light
3: reading if you're looking for something on your bedstand. Um, you know, <laughs> the page <the>, through <laughs> every now and again. Oh, okay. The, it's it's more focused on kind of, um, I, I think, like conceptions of sovereignty, and and so they're looking okay. at. They're, they're most largely in, invested in kind of how um, the sovereignty of the state you know, which which sort of came to replace um, feudal and monarchic rule um, you know, that with the dissolution of, of feudalism and then its replacement subsequently by like mercantilism and then uh, market capitalism it became kind of the state and this, you know Quasi-democratic entities, um, you know, replace the king, um, feudal lords, and then now saying we've we've shifted to it's kind of the CEOs uh, who are actually really the sovereign agents because largely our laws are are penned by um, you know business interests and their lobbyists um, and they've kind of bought out you know most of the politicians. So the state is just kind of a an appendage of, of the, the sort of like business elite um, apparatus um, so they, they definitely cover technology but I wouldn't say if that's kind of and I think you know just hearing what you tend to be interested in and talk about if that's kind of hey is this something that would, would be of, of big interest to me like I think it, it covers some technology but it's much more interested in kind of like how do we understand sovereignty, oh, in, I see. Yeah. you know, the 21st century, certainly you can't really talk about that without talking about technology and how that's like changed things and, you know, international capitalism being um, largely possible due to increased technological capabilities, but um, I wouldn't say that that's like a, a central focus of the book or their work you know, what is a, a potential roadmap for some kind of resistance?
2: Oh. Interesting.
3: Post-structuralist, post-modern, um, I don't know that you could quite, you know, characterize them as, as totally post-modern, um, but it's, it's simply written in, like, you know, academic jargon, so it's... it's um, but I would say it's easier than like I don't know if you ever tried to read like Derrida or you know Lacan or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 certainly more approachable than that, but it's it's also like you, you gotta want to read it to to be able to read it. It's not uh, it's not um, it's not, uh, not super accessible. Um, which is not to say I don't think you'd be up for it, but just like I um, that's been one of my frustrations with a lot of that kind of literature is like look I wanna. I want to know what you have to say. Like, just just cool it with the way you're talking or writing. <laughs> you know, just make this. Uh-huh.
2: There's, there's no need for. This
3: doesn't help anything that this is written in this way.
0: Okay, no, I'm open to it. Cool. Here, let me send this before I forget.
3: Sure. So, yeah, and I should be able to. Um, you know, take a look at that and sign off on it. Um, okay. I feel like we kind of discussed it. So I, I don't have
0: any, you know, misgivings or hesitations about it. but Sounds um, good. I'll just I'll take
3: a glance and um, I'll be able to sign it by, by today.
0: Thank you. Sending to Gmail. Uh, let's see. Right now. And now it's in cyberspace. So now it's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. <laughs> Yeah, can you believe that? So it just got sent and it's going to deconstruct it. Okay. It's gonna take all this information and deconstruct it into little bits. And now it's uploading it back up to the cloud.
2: Let me ask you this.
0: Can you give me a Cliff Notes version of what Edward Snowden wrote about in that book? He wrote about from
5: his childhood at age six. All the way through age 27, I'm going, so about a, just over 20 years span of his life, that started in his childhood, and uh, when his mom was the secretary for the uh, National NSA, and his dad was in security for the Coast Guard. He was pretty high up. So both parents in security and um, also technologically advanced. He wrote about how advanced technologically his family was. How the government provided the Commodore, their first computer. And uh, that was in a time when nobody had a computer yet. We're talking back in the 90s. And uh, how he... This is a story about a young man, age six, seven, How he, all the way through school, he managed to graduate, but he did not attend school. He educated himself all night long on his mom and dad's free gift from the government, Commodore, whichever version they kept giving him, the new versions, computer on the internet. His education came from the internet. And then they would like um, discipline the boy and he'd get back to school and somehow they would just pass him because he was so smart when they tested him. And then he somehow broke into a government, um, I forgot where it happened, but it happened before he joined the government. He broke in there and corrected some problems in their mainframe. (laughs) That's a teenager. And they called him and his mom said, son, did you go into dot-to-dot in the federal government? He said, I don't know, Mom. And of course he knew. And uh, they talked to him on the phone, and they said, Mr. Snowden, we want to congratulate you on what you did. We'd like for you to come to work for us. And And then began, so that was basically the beginning of his government career. And he worked all over the whole world. Just as his story is much like David and Giselli. Giselli is a Brazilian um, who married my nephew and they travel the whole world and their address is kept secret they have it posted nowhere on social media we have a social media address book theirs is not allowed there and they are bioinformatic I'm sure Snowden is getting into this bioinformatic engineers which I guess or might have heard that it's face recognition. That is huge now. That, I don't know what Snowden did. I believe his story ended in Russia. And much of his personal story is secret. Probably until his next book comes out. I'm going to say there's going to be another book.
0: Oh, he's coming out with a new book? That's
5: my intuition. I'm
0: forecasting that. Oh yes. And what did he think of Super Mario Brothers?
5: That was his beginning as a seven-year-old.
0: Well, what did he think about Super Mario Brothers?
5: You know, lack of 3D, the lack of the interactive, the non-interactive video. I'm not a techie in that I can say, because my kids grew up you with know, video brothers. Like
2: the little Snoopy piano. The music is
6: beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 Shall we listen? What is real? Is a pretty tough question when you really dig into it. But we can share with you one thing that definitely is real. You can now preload the new The Matrix Awakens demo on your PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series XS console. Really? The actual demo, which is built with Epic's new Unreal Engine 5, is dropping on December the 9th at the Game Awards, so you'll have to wait two more days to see it in full. The demo will be an interactive companion to the upcoming movie, The Matrix Resurrections, which is coming to theaters on December the 22nd. By the way, there's a new trailer for the movie, too, have you seen that one yet? As for the demo, we are promised it will be a wild ride into the reality-bending universe of The Matrix that features performances by Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss. This isn't the first time we've seen Reeves in video game form, having been immortalized as Johnny Silverhands in Cyberpunk 2077. You can also refresh your memory on what Unreal Engine 5 can do in this demo from May 2020, but hopefully the new, interactive demo will look even better. Anonymous View The prospect of next-gen Fidelity has been exclusively focused on resolution and refresh rate in the last 10 years, very for games pushed boundaries beyond. The Matrix Awakens, an Unreal Engine 5 experience hits PS5 and Xbox Series XS, Yahoo! A Day Ago. Anonymous View. Epic Games' Unreal Engine has officially released The Matrix Awakens, an Unreal Engine 5 experience, a tech demo showcasing the future of interactive storytelling and entertainment. The Matrix Awakens, how the Unreal Engine 5 tech demo celebrates the reality-bending franchise. Yahoo! News Two Days Ago. Anonymous View. The December 10th launch of The Matrix Awakens reintroduces a boundary-pushing universe with Unreal Engine 5 as a free download for PlayStation 5 and Xbox series. Epic Games shows off Unreal Engine 5 with stunning simulated city in The Matrix Awakens demo. Ventura beat three days ago. Anonymous view. Epic Games showed off the realism of Unreal Engine 5 realism with The Matrix Awakens demo amid a huge computer-generated city. You must play the Insan The Matrix Awakens Unreal Engine 5 demo. Forbes three days ago. Anonymous view. It definitely seemed a bit weird to have the game awards close last night, not with a huge reveal, but with an extended Matrix commercial starring. The Matrix Awakens Unreal Engine 5 demo might make you wonder what's real. Gamspot three days ago. Anonymous view. While it won't tell you anything about the upcoming movie, Epic's tech demo suggests some ways games and movies might meld in the future. Inside The Matrix Awakens, Epic Games releases a massive, playable free demo to showcase Unreal Engine 5. Yahoo! 3 days ago. Anonymous view. Is it real, or is it unreal? Epic Games worked with Warner Bros. The Matrix Resurrections, director Lana Wachowski to create a technical demo, set. The Matrix Awakens is an Unreal Engine 5 demo you can preload today. In Gadget six days ago. Anonymous view. You can preload the demo to your PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series XS console ahead of its debut at the Game Awards. Digital Neo looks very real and new The Matrix Awakens teaser for Unreal Engine 5 mashablememescent.com 6 days ago anonymous view the actual demo which is built with Epic's new Unreal Engine 5 is dropping on December the 9th at the Game Awards so you'll have to wait
4: Unreal Engine 5 Early Access Release Note is an overview of new and updated features in the Early Access Release of Unreal Engine 5. Unreal Engine 5 is the next major evolution of Unreal Engine, redesigned and enhanced for the next generation of games, real-time visualizations, and immersive interactive experiences. It will empower game developers and creators across all industries to realize next-generation real-time 3D content and experiences with greater freedom, fidelity, and flexibility than ever before. A generational leap in fidelity, UE5 unlocks stunning new levels of realism and detail through features like bright virtualized geometry, lumen real-time global illumination, and MetaSounds a completely new paradigm for immersive audio rendering. You'll be able to bring incredibly immersive and realistic gaming experiences to life. Build bigger worlds with current generation tech. Open world games and simulation projects quickly hit technical limits on terrain size and struggle with the increasingly complex or touring and streaming workflows needed to keep within memory and performance budgets. To meet these challenges, UE5 introduces built-in workflows for partitioning and streaming large levels, while easing collaboration between multiple people working in the same virtual world. With UE5, you'll have the tools to create truly expansive worlds for your players to explore, using content that scales. Made by creators, for creators, with the size and complexity of next-generation assets and projects, Maximizing efficiency and minimizing iteration time are essential for all roles in the project team, artists, programmers, build engineers, and more. UE5 introduces a new and refocused UI, integrates more asset design and or touring workflows into the editor to reduce the need for external apps, and offers new tools for working more smoothly with targets like consoles and mobile devices. New Editor look and feel. In UE5, the Unreal Editor gets a makeover, with an updated visual style, streamlined workflows, and optimized use of screen real estate, making it easier, faster, and more pleasing to use. The Unreal Editor are in UE5 Early Access. Unreal Engine 5 offers a more immersive experience, minimizing distractions, so you can focus on the viewport. For example, the content drawer offers a new way to temporarily pull up the content browser when you need it by pressing Ctrl plus spacebar. After you're done interacting with it, it automatically minimizes until the next time you call it up. We've redesigned menus and toolbars to improve groupings and focus on the things you use most often. You can even mark settings in the details panel's favorites, floating them to the top. You now have more options for customizing the editor to suit your own tastes and workflows. For example, you can create color themes and dock tabs on the side of the viewport that you can pop out for quick actions. Video Thumbnail For more information on all the changes to the Unreal Editor interface, see the Editor improvements documentation. Rendering Features Lumen Dynamic Global Illumination and Reflections Lumen is a new fully dynamic global illumination and reflection solution that immediately reacts to scene and light changes, offering artists and designers the ability to create more dynamic scenes with greater realism. Change the sun angle for time of day, turn on a flashlight, open an exterior door, or even blow up a ceiling and indirect lighting and reflections adapt accordingly. The system renders diffuse interreflection with infinite bounces and indirect specular reflections in huge, detailed environments, at scales ranging from kilometers to millimeters. Lumen Dynamic Global Illumination. Artists and designers are no longer tied to static scenes with pre-computed lighting baked into textures, a huge time saving when you can see the results of changes right in the editor. Without needing to rebuild lighting or to set up light map use for individual static meshes. Lumen implements efficient software ray tracing allowing global illumination and reflections to run on a wide range of video cards, while supporting hardware ray tracing for high-end visuals. In the UE5 Early Access release, Lumen is still actively being developed to target the next generation of consoles and high-end PCs. It may not yet support some features well, or at all. For more, see the Lumen Global Illumination and Reflections documentation. Nanite Virtualized Geometry. Create games with massive amounts of geometric detail with Nanite a virtualized micropolygon geometry system. Directly import film-quality source art composed of millions of polygons, anything from brush sculpts to photogrammetry scans, and place them millions of times. All while maintaining a real-time frame rate, and without any noticeable loss of fidelity. Nanite intelligently streams and processes only the detail you can perceive, largely removing polycount and draw call constraints, and eliminating time-consuming work like baking details to normal maps, and manually or touring LODs, freeing you up to concentrate on creativity. Nanite Virtualized Geometry. In the UE5 Early Access release, Nanite does not yet work with all engine features or all material types. In addition, it has specific POO requirements beyond the base requirements for UE5. For more, see the Nanite Virtualized Geometry Documentation. Virtual Shadow Maps Virtual Shadow Maps provide the next generation of shadowing, with the consistent, High quality needed to shadow film quality assets and large open worlds taking advantage of the night, lumen, and world partition. Traditional shadowing techniques have often been limiting for artists and designers for medium and large sized worlds, forcing them to make unsatisfying choices about where to sacrifice quality for a performance. They also typically require developers to combine multiple different approaches, such as using both cascaded shadow maps and distance field shadows for dynamic shadowing in a large world. The virtual shadowing technique introduced in UE5, by contrast, offers a single, unified shadowing method that automatically applies quality where it's needed the most, This means that shadows can now have consistent quality for small to large objects over greater distances, with more realistic soft penumbra and contact hardening, all at a lower performance cost. In Unreal Engine 5 Early Access, virtual shadow maps are still being actively developed. They support a wide range of geometry and material types. However, In cases where a geometry or material type is not yet supported, UE5 will fall back to traditional shadow mapping. Additionally, Nanite Geometry only supports virtual shadow maps, and we expect to make further improvements on quality and performance. For more, see the virtual shadow maps documentation. Temporal Super Resolution Nanite polygon geometry and the fidelity demands of the next generation of games have increased the amount of detail displayed on screen like never before. To meet these demands, we've written a temporal super-resolution algorithm from scratch that replaces UE4 single-quotes temporal R for higher-end platforms. Temporal super-resolution has the following properties. Output approaching the quality of native 4K renders at input resolutions as low as 1080p, allowing for both higher frame rates and better rendering fidelity. Less ghosting against high-frequency backgrounds. Reduced flickering on geometry with high complexity. Runs on any shader Model 5 capable hardware, D3D11, D3D12, Vulkan, PS5. XSX. Metal coming soon. Shaders specifically optimized for PS5 single quote S and XSX's pu architecture. In Unreal Engine 5 early access temporal super resolution is enabled by default in your project settings. 4K frames rendered at native 4K resolution frames per second 20.57 4K frames rendered at 1080p resolution, frames per second, 44.22. By default, the rendered geometric detail will adapt to the rendering resolution leading to difference seen in the comparison above. However, the geometric details can optionally be tweaked to use same geometry as native 4K rendering to reach an output a lot closer to native 4K. 4K frames rendered at native 4K resolution, frames per second, 20.57. Exclamation mark. In each of the comparison sliders, the 4K images are limited to the width of the page. To see their full uncompressed resolution, right click on either image in the comparison sliders and choose Save Us to save a copy to your local drive. World Building Features. World Partition World Partition is a new data management and streaming system used both in the Editor and at Run Team, which completely removes the need to manually divide the world into countless sublevels to manage streaming and reduce data contention. Using World Partition, the world exists as a single persistent level. In Editor, the world is split on a grid and data is partially loaded based on your area of interest. This makes it possible to handle massive worlds that would take a long time to load. When cooking or launching Pi, the world is divided into grid cells optimized for unteamed streaming, which become individual streaming levels. Opening the world partition editor choosing which cells to load. You can toggle World Partition in the project settings, or by selecting the Enable World Partition option in the World Partition section of the menu. Her commandled is provided to convert level-based or world-composition-based scenes to use World Partition. While we still support level-based streaming, we plan to make World Partition the default way to create worlds in the future. For more, see the World Partition Documentation. World Partition Data Layers Data Layers for World Partition provide a way to conditionally load world data by activating and deactivating layers at Run Team. You can use it to handle different scenarios in your game. You can control data layers from the Data Layers tab in the editor or from Actors Details panels. Data Layers. For more, see the Data Layers documentation. World Partition – Hierarchical Level of Detail. Working with World Partition, the new Hierarchical Level of Detail system creates a proxy mesh from the actors in a grid cell and gives you a way to visualize the content of unloaded cells at runtime. These proxy meshes are generated from the original actor geometry but simplified to reduce memory usage and draw calls. For example, the following images show two streaming sources, represented by white spheres. Loads on. When a streaming source moves out of range of the loaded cell, the contents of that cell are automatically swapped with the cell's load representation.
5: How's it going, man behind the machine? This is your old pal, Jack. Hanging out, listening to your podcast. In between breaks here while shooting my newest sci fi film. It's under wraps, so let's just pretend I didn't say anything.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I kill myself.
2: This box just interprets signals from the computer and turns them into